Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Cubans condemn 60-year-long U.S. embargo. Maritime PAC could bring $2.3 billion to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Head of board overseeing Puerto Rico finances to step down. Governor Pelosi says Puerto Rico no longer facing any significant fiscal challenges. Caribbean Development Bank projects 9.1% regional economic growth in 2022. And Bob Marley's family goes goes live for his Roots 77th birthday. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, February 4th. We start a report today in Cuba. Bahamanews.net via Shinawa News reports that on Thursday, thousands of Cubans condemned the U.S. trade embargo on the island 60 years after its proclamation. The embargo was first imposed by U.S. President John F. Kennedy and intensified during the U.S. President Donald Trump's administration, which banned U.S. flights to Cuba. Cities except Havana barred U.S. cruise ships and yachts from visiting the Caribbean nation and limited remittances that Cuban Americans send to their families on the island. According to the article during the COVID-19 pandemic, the Cuban government repeatedly accused the U.S. of blocking the island's access to medicines, equipment, and medical supplies. So far, the U.S. embargo on the island has caused damage worth more than 144 million U.S. dollars, according to a Cuban government statement released on Thursday. Cuban President Miguel Diaz-Canel said that the Cuban people would continue demanding the end to the U.S. embargo. In related news, the St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that to circumvent the U.S. embargo against Cuba and lagging domestic production, milk has to come from the other side of the world in an obstacle race that deprives many on the island of the staple. According to the article, milk has become the latest casualty in a long history of chronic food shortages in Cuba, which on Monday marked six decades of U.S. sanctions. And it continued to be in short supply in Havana and four other provinces due to a lack of financing boats and suppliers, Internal Trade Minister Betsy Diaz said in October. To find milk powder, Cuba looks all the way to New Zealand, its main supplier, with 18,470 tons in 2020, as well as Belgium, 6,628 tons, and Uruguay, 3,695 tons, according to specialized export and import data site trade map. Official Cuban data shows that the island produced 455 million kilograms of fresh milk in 2020, far short of what is needed. The cheapest and easiest way would be to get milk from the United States, one of the world's largest exporters, and less than 200 kilometers or 124 miles from Cuba's coastline. Sinkett's Nevis Observer reports via the BBC News that a new U.S. intelligent community report says directed energy plausibly explains some of the cases of the mysterious Havana syndrome illness. There has been a contentious debate over whether symptoms afflicting U.S. staff around the world were caused by some kind of device or were psychological in nature. The latest report from a U.S. intelligent community 
panel of experts says the symptoms are genuine and compelling and could in some cases have been caused by a concealed device. But the panel does not look at who might be responsible. Beginning in Havana, Cuba in 2016, U.S. intelligence officers and diplomats began complaining of an array of unusual symptoms. At first, the claims were largely dismissed within government. But in the last year, they have been taken more seriously with U.S. officials, encouraged to report similar symptoms. That has led to a flood of cases, numbering at least a 1,000 from around the world. A January CIA study found no evidence of widespread campaign by a foreign state and said many cases could be explained by natural causes or stress. However, it acknowledged that a small number, thought to be around two dozen, remain unexplained. This new study examined more than 1,000 classified documents and interviewed witnesses to focus on a group of people suffering a particular set of symptoms. Officials will not disclose the exact number. They concluded that this subset of cases cannot be explained by environmental or medical conditions and could have been caused by some kind of external source or device. We've learned a lot, said one intelligence official familiar with the work of the panel. It examined the plausibility of five potential causes, acoustic signals, chemical and biological agents, ionizing radiation, natural and environmental factors, and other electromagnetic energy and study whether some kind of concealed device could create the reported symptoms. A BBC report and documentary in 2021 looked at the potential role of pulse directed energy or microwaves in causing the symptoms of Havana syndrome. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan Jr. signed an agreement in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday that could pave the way for unprecedented port improvements and long-term maritime industry jobs. The Memorandum of Agreement with Massachusetts-based Northeast Maritime Institute seals a commitment to reshaping the seafaring industry in the United States, making the U.S. Virgin Islands the center of an international ship fleet. Private investors could deposit $2.3 billion in port infrastructures to launch the project, said Eric R. Dawicki, the Institute's president and co-signer of the agreement at the National Press Club. The resolution called a revitalization plan for U.S. maritime trade, commerce, and strategic competition is sixfold, beginning with creating an open industry in the Virgin Islands. This new flag state would allow foreign containers, crews, tankers, and other commercial vessels to register in the U.S. territory. With just 0.4% of commercial ships registered in the United States, American sea trade is valuable to market volatility, global upheaval like COVID-19, and potential financial attack by arrival. The significance of the new American maritime flag ship registry and transshipment hub extends beyond the Caribbean, DeWiki said. These endeavors and the rest of the plan will establish a highly transparent and rule-based maritime system and purposefully guide the practices and processes of global trade entering the United States. 
Any change in the Virgin Islands flag status would need congressional approval, DeWiki said. He claimed both Republican and Democratic members have responded positively to the idea. U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Bryan said, As an American citizen, I look at the numbers and they make me nervous about our participation in the world trade market, he said. Bryan's case for investment in the U.S. Virgin Islands was clear. The territory has the only U.S. ports fully exempt from the Jones Act, meaning they are an ideal transshipment point. It's the best kept secret in the world, he said. Beyond our shores, Brian said the Caribbean as a whole could benefit from the renewed seafaring industry to produce maritime workforces from within the Caribbean or other places is a tremendous opportunity, he said. There are so many countries in the Caribbean that are under duress for energy, food, most of the goods. 90% of the goods that come from the Caribbean come from the sea. And that's incredible that we haven't been a bigger player in partaking with that. He said a USVI trade hub could bring together the Caribbean nations from South America to Florida, as could a maritime industry training facility. Brian also hoped the revitalization plan could help throw off seemingly counterproductive rules, such as those that would limit where harbor pilots can work. He noted U.S. Virgin Islands ports need $80 million in repairs. In related news, the Virgin Islands Consortium reports that eight organizations representing workers in the maritime industry on the mainland United States are criticizing the decision by U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan to sign a memorandum of understanding with the Northeast Maritime Institute to implement a maritime initiative that will make the U.S. Virgin Islands the first international open registry in the United States. On behalf of licensed and unlicensed American merchant mariners who have proudly and without fail served our country since its founding, we oppose in the strongest possible term the creation of an open registry in the Virgin Islands, a territory of the United States, said a news release from Lisa Rosenthal, communication director of the International Organization of Masters, Mates, and Pilots. In a news release dated February 1st, the eight organizations, which represent a broad coalition of the labor movement, said the proposed U.S. Virgin Islands flag of convenience open registry will not benefit the United States nor America's maritime industry any more than any other second or open registry benefits a national flag country. Westport News via the Associated Press reports that the executive director for the Federal Control Board overseeing Puerto Rico's finances announced Thursday that after five years at the helm, she is stepping down following the historic debt restructuring. The announcement made by Natalie Juresko, who previously served as Ukraine's finance minister, comes just weeks after a federal judge signed a plan overseen and approved by the board to help the U.S. territory exit from bankruptcy. 
marking the largest municipal debt restructuring in U.S. history. She said the board has been able to reduce most of Puerto Rico's debt to affordable levels, stabilize the island's finances, and create a roadmap for a stronger economy. Still pending is the restructuring of some $9 billion in debt held by Puerto Rico's Electric Power Authority and additional debt held by the Highways and Transportation Authority, as well as looming reforms in other government agencies. Juresco said she also would like to see the implementation of a type of congressional budget office for Puerto Rico's legislature. Juresco is scheduled to step down on April 1st. The board said it is seeking a new executive director, having previously noted that it will remain in place until Puerto Rico approves four consecutive balanced budgets. According to the article, some opponents chaired her departure and they criticized the board for imposing austerity measures as Puerto Ricans struggle to recover from a spate of natural disasters and the pandemic. Critics also noted that the bankruptcy process has cost Puerto Rico some $1 billion in consultant lawyers and other expenses, and that Juresco made $625,000 a year. In related news, TheHill.com reports that Puerto Rico's Governor Pedro Pelosi said Wednesday that the island's years of fiscal turmoil are in the past, with public finances buoyed by economic recovery, a debt restructuring deal, and a significant influx of federal funds. No question, we will not be facing any significant fiscal challenges in the future, Pelosi told The Hill on Wednesday. Puerto Rico's economy has seemingly taken a positive turn over the past year after a nearly quarter century decline that saw the island lose a million inhabitants to emigration from 2004 to 2020. The U.S. territory's economy seemed to hit rock bottom in 2016 when it entered a bankruptcy-like process and Congress passed the Puerto Rico Oversight Management and Economic Stability Act, PROMISA, imposing a fiscal control board to oversee the island's finances. According to the article, economically, Perlusi is being dealt a better hand than his predecessors, with plenty of money coming in and a drastic cut in debt payments. Last month, a federal judge accepted an agreement negotiating with Puerto Rico's main bondholders that will save the island's government an estimated $50 million in debt payments, reducing debt service from $0.27 cents per dollar to $7.5 eight cents per dollar. That deal also stabilized Puerto Rico's pension plans, meaning Perlusi will not have to cut the popular measure even as he amps up spending on public service and construction. According to Perlusi, the territorial government's revenue is currently exceeding estimates by about $1 billion a year. News is My Business reports that the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has granted the Pat Stone Corporation $200,000 to train 60 students in Puerto Rico and place at least 41 in environmental jobs as a part of the $3.8 million grant given to 19 organizations for that goal. The training program includes 214 hours of instruction, including federal occupational safety and 
and Health Administration courses, pesticides worker safety protection training, and asbestos-lead and mold abatement programs. Padstone Corporation is targeting unemployed and underemployed students throughout nine rural municipalities in Puerto Rico. Rather than filling local jobs with contractors from distant cities, training will be offered to residents of communities historically affected by environmental pollution, economic divestment, and brownfields, providing an opportunity for residents to gain the skills and certification needed to secure local environmental work in their communities. The Caribbean Development Bank is projecting gross domestic product growth of 9.1% across its 19 boring member countries in 2022, accelerating the region's economic recovery, which started in 2021. The favorable outlook is anchored by an expected surge in the GDP of commodity exporting economies by an estimated 17.5% on account of strong growth in Guyana at 47.5%, emanating from increased oil and gas production and a resurgence in energy production in Trinidad and Tobago as supply-side constraints are alleviated. Service exports borrowing member countries are forecast to gain momentum, growing at an average rate of 4.8%, reflecting the continued inflow of international visitors. It is anticipated that this rebound is likely to strengthen during 2022 as restrictions ease on account of strengthening protective health measures. However, the return of international passenger arrival will depend on the acceleration of vaccine rates, effective management of the pandemic without resorting to full and lengthy lockdowns, and continued confidence in protocols established for safe travel to the region. The growth predicted for 2022 is also underpinned by expectations of accelerated implementation of several large infrastructure projects across the region. Antigua Newsroom reports that Prime Minister Gaston Brown has reported to the nation of Antigua and Barbuda that the country has bounced back after being battered by the COVID-19 pandemic. Speaking in the House of Parliament on Thursday during the presentation of the 2022 budget presentation, Prime Minister Brown said that the economy is growing at a rapid pace, with tourism recovering and employment increasing. Undoubtedly, the COVID-19 pandemic battered our economy in 2020 and 2021, as it did every country in the world without exception. But we bounced back through solid leadership to achieve 5.3% economic growth in 2021, as assessed by the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank. This is robust growth accomplished in time of adversity, Prime Minister Brown said. The country's leader also stated that while the country was challenged by COVID-19, the people of Antigua and Barbuda were not burdened with new and huge debt. However, he stated that in order to further stimulate the economy in 2022, there will be need to increase borrowing. And finally, Trinidad and Tobago's Newsday reports that second and third generation artists from the family of the late reggae icon Bob Marley will perform live to celebrate Bob Marley Day. 
The day is commemorated each year on his birthday, February 6th, with a variety of activities globally. This year, as a part of the 77th birthday celebrations, several activities to showcase various aspects of his legacy under the theme Route 77 were held and continue until Sunday. Fans worldwide are invited to join festivities by tuning in to the live stream of Bob Marley's 77 Earth Strong on the Tough Gong TV YouTube channel on February 6th from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. The finale event of the celebrations will air live musical presentations from some of Marley's family's second and third generation of artists, including grandsons Skip and Yohani in Miami, and son Ziggy, Stephen, Kamani, Julian, and Damien, a.k.a. the Marley Brothers in Los Angeles, said a media release. The first airing of the Tough Gong TV birthday live stream is on February 6th. Billed as the sound clash to end all sound clashes, it will see sound systems vie for the top prizes and bragging rights. This also forms part of the celebrations for Jamaica's 60th year of independence and will be aired weekly during Reggae Month, February on Tough Gong TV, the release said. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, February 4th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.